This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I think today, um, mostly I'll be sharing about my grief journey on losing my sister to cancer about two years ago. And also how grieving her actually helped give me the courage to seek help in terms of my mental health. Um, specifically, depression and anxiety, which I was actually diagnosed years before her passing. So it is something that I never wanted to address. Um, that episode of my life actually helped push me to get the help that I needed. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. This is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. One of the many quotes attributed to Sufi poet Rumi talks about grief. Grief can be the garden of compassion. If you keep your heart open through everything, your pain can become your greatest ally in your life's search for love and wisdom. Grief is a universal human experience. But we're often told that grief and the emotions that come with it are private because people around us don't know how to respond to those who have suffered a loss. On today's episode, Dilla opens up about her grief. Um, hi, I'm Dilla. I'm 35 years old. I'm a corporate marketer by profession. Um, I'm also part of a mental health organisation. Uh, and most excitingly, I'm a mother of a 10-month-old baby girl that I truly adore. <laughs> I have three siblings. I'm the second child after my late sister, basically. Um, growing up, um, I think we had a pretty normal, fun childhood. Um, but me and my sister, we did not have like the typical loving relationship like other sisters do, um, but we were always very dependent on each other. So um, basically, we fought a lot growing up, um, I think, uh, as other sisters do, but um, sometimes to an extreme, I suppose, um, mostly because I, I like to sometimes steal her clothes because she wouldn't share with me. But I think that was because um, growing up, my mom always dressed us in matching clothes and I always loved it because I wanted to be like Mary Kate and Ashley. But I think my sister grew sick of it over time. And um, yeah, and then she started like kicking me out of the room when she started being a teenager. And I think I got pretty upset about that. Um, but we love um, each other in our own way. Like we had our own love language. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of things that I grew up doing with her. Like, you know, she was the first person who would actually colored my hair with the, when my mom was not looking or like painting my nails. And, you know, we go rollerblading together. So like we were closer when we were younger. But I guess um, when she turned into a teenager, I think that gap sort of like built further and further. But we sort of like, like I mentioned, like we were always dependent in a way that if she actually wants to go run for errands, like she'll be like, hey, can you join me? Or like she wants to try like a new trend, like for instance, dub, dub smash. I'm not sure if you know that. That's like basically like the old TikTok, 
right? So people do video of like silly things and whatever. And I'm always like, okay, let's just do it. You know, I will never say no to her. So, um, or like if she needs help with her assignment, like, you know, count me in kind of thing. Um, but like on my end of the bargain, like usually I'll go to her if I need any advice on like, you know, food or like makeups or clothes, which is literally her forte. So, um, and basically we always get this... Um, People always mix us up for like who is the eldest sister. People always think that I'm the the eldest, basically. Um, I've always been very protective of her. Like when she's she's afraid of flying. So usually like when we go on a plane, like we, we travel often when we're younger. So when we're on a plane, like she'll be like holding my hand, like she'll grip my hand really tightly. And then she'll ask me to like pray with her or like there was one time, um, I think I was probably seven or younger, like she wanted to go for a summer camp and she dragged me with her because she was afraid to go alone. But she would never admit it, obviously. My mom told me about it. Um, or like when we go to a fun fair and we start seeing clowns or mascot, which she is terrified of, she'll just like hide behind me. So yeah, those were like some really great memories that I've had with her growing up. Long before she suffered the loss of her sister, Dilla had also struggled with mental health issues. Growing up, like we had a pretty comfortable life, like um, middle high income family. Like we were traveling, got all the toys that I wanted and everything. And then, like um, one day, I guess um, during my high school years, um, like my dad's business got hit pretty hard. Um, but I've never been the kind to actually share my struggles with my friends or anyone so I've always been on the end where I'm just listening to others other people's problems so I never felt that I had the space to speak about my worry and everything like that and it was I remember I was like 15 and I tried to open up um, for the first time to my friend and I said hey I feel I'm feeling upset and then she said, why would you be upset? Your life is so perfect because they're seeing it from the outside. And at that very moment, like, my defense system just kicked in. I'm like, I can't talk about it. I can't justify this. And, like, I feel like, am I being ungrateful and things like that? So that was the point that sort of, like, made me realize that I can never share my feelings with other people. And after that, like, um, I guess things got for the worse and of course, like, you know, teenage problems, heartbreaks, um, you know, um, I guess failures during like uni years and um, feeling like I always needed to play catch uh, with everyone that's ahead of me, um, but doing it all by myself, I guess. And also, I actually went through like an abusive relationship as well. So, but I never spoke of it. And I think over time, it's sort of like... Um, Drown me. In March 2020, while the rest of the country grappled with the surreal knowledge that we were in lockdown, Dilla's sister was diagnosed with cancer. It was 2020. Um, it was the third day of MCO. She was rushed to the hospital for um, an emergency surgery. So um, my sister never really got sick, I guess, growing up, like she'll have fever or something like that, but like ne never anything severe. Um, she was just having like um, a stomach ache for a while. And then the next thing you know, her, the, her tummy was just bloated and like the doctor did a scan and like they found a, um, the cancer uh, there. So there and then that we, uh, she had to undergo a surgery 
And then I think at that point, like the the moment I found out, I literally just broke down because I was not expecting that at all. Um, but at the same time, like it was not the first time that I had to deal with a family member that um, that was diagnosed with cancer. So um, I lost my paternal grandmother to cancer when I was um, maybe 19 or 20. And then... Um, Ten years after that, I actually lost my father-in-law to cancer on my wedding day. Yeah, but also like in between that, in between that, like my mom was diagnosed with um, breast cancer, um, but thankfully she survived. You know, um, like last year she reached her ten years remission, and I think just the fact that when my mom was actually diagnosed with cancer, I was studying abroad. I was doing my bachelor then, and my my sister had to break the news to me through a phone call. And I remember, like, um, how difficult it was for her. Like, she was a first-time mother then as well, you know. So um, I felt like when, when I found out that she was diagnosed with cancer, I wanted to do for her, like, how she helped my mom through it. Dela became her sister's main caregiver, as her brother-in-law had to continue running his business and taking care of the children. When we found out that she had cancer, it was just between me, um, my brother-in-law and uh, a friend of hers. So basically, um, we sort of like kept it a secret for the first the first day, I suppose, from all the family members. Um, so I was, since it was during the lockdown and we couldn't have visitors and like there was only like one person allowed to be at the hospital. So it was just me, uh, well, two person. It was just me and my brother-in-law, like, there most of the time so I was literally like the main caretaker so um, for like three weeks we were just at the hospital and um, I was just juggling taking care of her and also um, you know juggling with my career as well um, because you know unfortunately my sister did not have insurance so obviously we needed the money to actually help with her treatment so that was a lot to take in like it's just a lot I guess yeah Dela was not only providing physical and emotional care for her sister, but was also supporting her financially as well. In her mind, there was never any question about what role she would play for her sister, but it was still one of the most difficult things she had to endure. Most of the time, I was with her um, at the hospital because my brother-in-law had to go around, you know, just because they had a business together. So he had to make sure that everything was in order and like, um, and the kids um, are okay as well with the school and everything, you know. Um, so it was a lot to just be alone at the hospital, not having anyone, you know, because naturally you would probably, if you ever heard about this news about your loved one, right, you, you probably would need company or someone to just hug you and hold you and tell everything's okay but with COVID like that was just not going to happen at that point and I had to just come to terms with that yeah and just bury my emotions at that point. Initially Dila did call her friends for support and many of them tried to do what they could although they didn't really know what to say to her. But once again Dila found her old insecurities rising to the surface not knowing how to share her problems and feeling guilty for talking about her burdens. All this pulled her back and eventually she stopped calling her friends and tried to deal with it by herself. And throughout it all, Dila felt that she had to stay strong for her sister as well as for the rest of the family. 
like especially when we were at a hospital, I, I, I was with her 24-7. Like I can't break down in front of her. Like I'm not allowed to, um, at least that's what I felt at that point um, because I needed to give her hope that everything's going to be okay. Um, and also um, even like breaking the news to everyone was really heavy for me because just picking up the phone and just like, you know, I, I video called them obviously, um, just breaking the news and trying to console them and trying to tell them, hey, it's okay, like, you know, she's going to be okay while I myself am suffering and also... I'm not convinced at that point um, that it is going to be okay, right? I have not come to terms. Like, I'm still in shock. But I have to put on this mask for everyone because I felt obligated to do so. Um, especially with my mom. Uh, we actually kept it from her for, like, almost a week. She was the only person who didn't know, but knowing my mom, I think she had an instinct, like, in her heart. Um, like I was preparing everyone, like my dad, my siblings, um, her siblings as well, so that everyone is ready to just support her when we break the news for her. So that was a lot, <laughs> yeah. Dilla's sister passed away a year later. And that was when she had this wellspring of emotions to deal with. That's coming up after the break. This is because feelings matter a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. Stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Most people think that grief only happens once, right? Uh, when the people have passed on. But for someone who has a loved one with a terminal illness, we go through it twice. Like, it's called anticipatory grief. So basically, it's just an anticipation of grief itself. So I've had people telling me, you know, um, you know, you should be thankful that at least you had a chance to spend time with her and it's not a sudden death. But what they don't understand is like, I go through grief more than once. Like, you know, and even before I had to deal with grieving of losing her, I have never, never got the chance to process the grief before that, right? So it's just like a cycle of grieving and it's not one-dimensional. And it doesn't like start and stop with someone just taking their last breath because you're not just grieving the memories that you've had with them, but you've, you're also grieving the future that you dream of having with them, right? Even for me, like just being a first-time mother, I've always imagined, you know, calling out my sister and like, hey, this is really hard. And like not having that person to talk to, like this very confusing part of your life, you know, because we grew up together as sisters, like, you know, just being teenagers and being a woman and things like that. And just that part of my life, just who, who's turning into mother, like I felt so lost and, and I grieve her even up till now because I never got the chance. Welcome back to Health and Living. I'm Xiao Ik, and this is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. Grief is an equaliser. It is shared across the human population, sparing no one. But grief is also a unique experience for every one of us. We go through bereavement for many different types of losses, and we all grieve differently. 
Dilla's sister passed away from cancer after a year of living with the disease. But Dilla had begun grieving from the moment her sister was diagnosed. She just never had the time to process it. I think like the moment she was hospitalized, like from the get-go, like, you know, I was on autopilot. Like I say, like I was very protective of her. Like my needs didn't was not even in the picture at this point. Like, I was, I just needed to make sure that she's eating right, she's taking her medication, she's seeking for the help that she needs. So whatever that I needed did not cross my mind at all. But I knew it was draining me because I felt heavier. I, I was not sleeping. I was just, my mind was just constantly everywhere. And I knew I was just in a very unhealthy place. It's just I never had the chance to address it. But that was also the reason that I started seeking for help because I knew that I needed to practice what I preach because I truly believe in it. I truly believe in seeking for help. And if, if I didn't do, the, do it for myself, how can I convince another person to actually do it? Dilla tried a stepwise approach to improving her mental health. And fortunately, she was able to recognise when she'd hit a block at each stage and needed more help. The only way I express is I actually like to do storytelling. I like to sh- like write. So I do a lot of that uh, on my social media. I share about my feelings and everything. Um, I share about my experience. But of course, it's a very, it's a one-way treatment, I suppose, like for me to just express, but I'm not getting anything in return, right? Something to just help me heal myself. And then I realized that after two months um, of her passing, like I decided to seek for help. I went to see a therapist. Um, and then after four months of just trying like things, just like, you know, doubling the exercise and just go out and just trying to connect with people again and things like that, things that I normally would do to help me process my emotions, like nothing was working anymore. Like, you know, I, I was trying for four months. It was just so frustrating. And it came to a point where it felt like I had no purpose in life anymore because at this point I have already quit my job because um, I wanted to take care of my sister, but unfortunately she passed away when I was serving my notice, and you know not not, not having anything to do at this point, and and also I realized one thing that um, when her cancer happened, that was when COVID started for the rest of us, right? I think I never had the time to process about about the COVID and the lockdown until my sister passed away. So when that actually happened, I I felt like in a state of shock. Um, I felt like I was living in a completely different world from before. And it was really hard because everyone was way past that already. It's been like over a year. So that was really lonely and everyone was back to work and everything, but I had nothing to do. So... Yeah, um, after four months of um, therapy, I just told my doctor, I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I just, it just gets pretty dark. I don't have, I don't have the will to get out of bed for months. I was just crying throughout the day most of the time. So I just said, I just, I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I, I started my medication then. Grief is defined in the dictionary as very great sadness. I asked Dilla if sadness is a word that captures the entirety of her emotional experience. Yeah, so that was one of the first things that I discussed with my doctor when I came in. So it was um, two months after her passing. 
So he was telling me, you know, there's a certain period of time of grieving. Um, so he didn't want to medicate me straight away, which I didn't want as well. So we wanted to determine whether is this grief or am I dealing with depression? So after a while, after a couple of months, then we realized like, hey, I think this is way beyond grief. Like, you know, there's something here that we need to talk about, we need to address. So basically, my depression was not because I was grieving for my sister. It was basically, I guess, the tipping point um, of what I had gone through the years before. And it was sort of like my body was telling myself that it's enough, enough. Like, you know, you need to get help. Why were you so resistant to the idea of medication at first? I think just... Accepting that was pretty hard for me as well because I, I guess I don't know whether it's ego or it's pride that I always believe like, you know, I can do this naturally. I don't need medication to help me get through stuff. But I accepted the fact that me taking the medication is me helping myself. It's a different way of me helping myself, right? Um, but also like what pushed me for that is because after my sister passed away, I was distancing myself from every other person that I know except for my husband so I was just relying on him like every time I cry every time I need to talk to someone like every time I break down it was just him but I think after a while it took a toll on him um, he didn't say he didn't express it in any way but I could see in his eyes that he was just in such pain when I was in my episodes right so it was just my love towards him that made me want to fix myself so that I wouldn't put another person at the same place that I was at that point. But before Dilla could complete her targeted course of medication, something happened that threw a spanner in the works. Something completely unexpected and wonderful. Um, so I was supposed to take the medication for, I think the first round would be about like six months to just go through the first cycle. But um, after the fifth month, I found out that I was pregnant. And that was such a beautiful and very complicated stage of my life because I knew, like, okay, I needed to fix this. But at the same time, I've been waiting for this baby to come for years, right? Like, so my doctor was the first person I, I, I told about my pregnancy. I was afraid to tell him that I was pregnant because in my head, like the first thing that came to my head is like, if I tell him, he's going to say to me like, you're crazy. Why did you get pregnant when you're going through this, right? Like, you already have so much. Why would you put another thing on on your, on your shoulder? Um, but when I broke the news to him and he was thrilled for me, he's like, I think this is what you needed. Like, this is what you need. And true enough... Um, we stopped medication after two weeks and up till now, I have not been on medication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm still seeing him um, occasionally because I still do suffer from anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but other than that, like, it's been good. What have you found about people's attitudes towards grief and especially towards the bereaved? There was one time I visited like a family member after my sister's passing right and um, this person was asking me hey um, how's your mom is she okay so I thought that was like a genuine question right like oh this person cares and everything 
So I just reply like, um, you know, she she has a day. Sometimes she's okay. Sometimes she's not. Which is exactly what I was experiencing myself. But the reply that I got was like, you know, why is she sad? Just let her go. It makes it seem like as if it's so simple. Like, you know, like, okay, her part is done here. She's no longer suffering. But like, while we acknowledge that, it doesn't take away the fact that it hurts. It's still painful for us, the one, the people that who, who gets left behind. I, I was mad and I was furious, but I knew I did not have to justify myself to this person because he had not experienced this loss before. Um, yeah, I think another part of, of it is someone made a remark. Uh, this was like the second night after she passed away. Um, so we had some prayer things at home and then like I was crying uh, with my mom and this person like she gently said it to us that um, hey you know I don't think it's good for you to cry that much you know she'll be suffering in the afterlife if you do and like we're like hold on pause like you know like are we are we this is very confusing for us because like how are we able to feel what we feel or process this grief when we're being told that we're not supposed to grieve in a certain way. But I remember that night, the same night, the Ustad actually told us about this story about the Prophet and how he grieved for the passing of his loved one and it gave us comfort. And we knew that we need to stop listening to what other people are telling us on how we should grieve because... You know, like grieving itself is different for everyone and there's no there's no wrong or right way to do so. Have you moved on? As cliche as it sounds, I don't think there's such thing as moving on. Um, but we move forward. We move forward with our pain. Um, we learn how to neg- navigate ourselves with the emotions um, better. And as life goes on, the pain that we carry within us each day starts becoming our life compass. And also, um, it becomes our greatest teacher to get through the next chapter of life. In 1969, psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross described five common stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. While sometimes debated and criticised, this process is not a linear one and not everyone will experience every stage or even any of them. But one part that dovetails with Dila's experience is that of acceptance. I had difficulty processing my grief um, because the gravity of the grief was so hard and I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't make sense of it. And it didn't help that no one was really talking about their grief as well. Um, You know, um, but I came across this quote that made perfect sense to me of how I felt. And it says, grief is the price we pay for love. And that itself is powerful, right? Like how can something so great just not leave an impact in your life when they have left you, right? So, and it, it, it is a journey and there is no statute of limitation in grieving the person that you love, especially if that person is someone you have had in your life for as long as you had lived. So, um, like I said, there is no wrong or right way to grieve. 
And there will be days like you feel you've taken one step forward, but 10 steps back. But you don't stop. You keep on moving one step at a time. This is Dela's story of loss. But it's also a story of gaining something in return, of moving forward with something that she hadn't had before. The one thing that I've learned about this experience itself is like allowing yourself to be vulnerable is not a sign of weakness. And I've had people coming to me, people who had grieved their loved ones before, actually remind me of this. Um, and like, it is actually brave to acknowledge um, your feelings and also sit with our emotions to process it and to to just like make sense of it rather than just running away, right? And because eventually like those feelings that we bury over the years would actually come up, which did in my case and led to my depression and everything. So, so why not attend to them right now? But I also believe that um, my, like, my biggest takeaway from this is like, there is life after death for the people who get left behind. Um, you know, death changes you. It's sort of like a rebirth for me, to be honest. Like, there will be a point where you feel like a part of you died with the person that left you. But at the same time, that experience itself was is also like an opportunity for you to start doing things differently, right? Um, then you truly understand how precious life is. Um, so you understand that life is precious and like that you you're living on borrowed time so you you love differently you breathe differently and and like um, everything that you've put on hold before like your passion um, chasing your dream job or just telling someone that you love them you'll you'll do it immediately right you you don't say i'll do it tomorrow anymore right like you you just do it now you do it today Before I end this um, sharing, um, I would like to, I guess, share something that my sister herself shared just about a few months before uh, she passed away. And it says that, the quote says, And like the moon, we must go through phases of emptiness to feel full again. And that is so true. Like, I think without the grief, without going through what I go through and I feel a lot of people who had probably been on the same boat as me can resonate with this, right? Like, we will not be living our winning story at this point without going through what we went through before. You've been listening to Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. If you missed any part of the show or if you'd like to listen to previous podcasts, you can search for it on bfm.my or on our BFM app. You've been listening to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.